This podcast is brought to you by Catch the Fire Boulder, where we're more than a church. We're family. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please go to ctfboulder.com. So uh, as we get into this this morning, we just want to pray. Uh, we just want to thank God. Yes, Lord. Uh, so let's just let's do that. So Lord, we just thank you. We praise you. Father, we thank you for who you are, Lord. First and foremost, we thank you for who you are. Father, we also are grateful for what you've done, Father, so that we can be connected to you. Jesus, we thank you as well for the sacrifice. But Lord, this morning, we just pray that as we express within our hearts what worship looks like to us, God, we pray that it would just begin to open the hearts and minds of every person who hears that, Lord, so they would just receive, Father, and that they would understand what it looks like, Lord, as we just... um, invest into a culture of worship in this place. So Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Well, he kind of gave it away. Um, We're going to be talking about worship today, but for those of you who are taking notes, the title of this message is called A Position of Worship. Um, So again, we're talking about worship. So whenever... I was like finding out that we're going to talk about worship. It was like a little daunting because the topic of worship is like so vast. And I realized that each and every one of us have our own definition of what worship is to us. And so like, how could we cover it? So what I want to actually start out with is talk about and really define what worship is. And I want to just lay a really solid foundation of understanding so we can kind of build on it throughout the message, if that's okay with you guys. So... In order to just define what worship is, I'm just going to pull out some scripture and see what the Bible says about what worship is and what it's for and why we do it. Okay. So um, the first verse that I'm going to bring up is Colossians 3.16. Note takers, Colossians 3.16. So the verse says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So this verse is beautiful, but I personally had never really seen worship described like this before in the, in the Word. The Bible is filled, I mean, psalm alone Psalms is all about songs of worship, and even during the tough times, worship. There's so many times where even disciples, whether they were jailed, were worshiping. There's so many examples of worship in the Bible itself, but this one just completely transformed my mind about what worship really is, and I'll tell you why. Um, I want to read it one more time, but... What I like to do for personal understanding for me is I like to take specific words and kind of take the definition of those words and plug them in, if that's okay. So to dwell, we know what that means, but to live or reside richly means in fullness. It means generous or plentiful. And so if I reread that and I plug in those definitions, it says, let the message of Christ live and reside among us in fullness. How many of you want that? (laughs) As we teach and bring correction when necessary in wisdom through sacred songs of praise from Holy Spirit, singing to God with a heart of gratitude. 
What that means is we are literally called as a body to lift each other up, to teach one another, to admonish, which like I said, means to bring correction when necessary, out of love. We do everything out of love. Through worship, through psalms, through hymns, through songs of the spirit. So we can quite literally teach, we can inform some people who have never even read a Bible verse in the, like ever in their life. But if we're singing biblical truths and principles, we can quite literally be singing truth into situations and in, into people's hearts and they can learn and t- we can teach them through those things. So, um, <laughs> um, we can quite literally teach, inform, and correct one another through song and by the way that we live our lives, and we are to build each other up as a body through worship. I'm going to bring up one more verse. So the verse is John 4:24. So John 4:24 says, "God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth." So to put it plainly, worship is spiritual. It's not based on a physical act. There's no actions. It's not, there's no physicality. And I think that sometimes, even as myself, I call myself out, I can get caught up in the physicality of worship, whether it's the notes that I'm singing, whether it's the song, and you're like, oh, I've heard the song like a million times. Like, oh my gosh, we get kind of wrapped up in the physicality of worship. But worship itself is a spiritual thing. Just as God is spirit, we also worship in spirit. And that second part says that we worship in truth, which means that when we are worshiping, it truly is a true reflection of our heart when we are worshiping. So just to conclude from those two verses, worship creates a space for the Holy Spirit to use us to build up one another as his body. And the way we worship is a direct and honest reflection of our hearts. Isn't that good? (laughs) So something just to expand a little more on where she says in spirit and in truth, something that actually was taught to me early on by Lane. Lane's awesome. Hopefully he's watching. Lane, we love, love you. Lane. Um, but <laughs> I just, a lot of knowledge in that guy. But one of the things that he spoke to me about early was understanding when you're worshiping in spirit, that it's a spiritual act, like Caitlin is saying. It comes from within us, within our spirit, the connection to the Lord spiritually. But also in truth, when we're worshiping and in truth, like she's saying, it is like the physical act. It is those things. But physically, when we're worshiping in truth, it's supported by scripture. The truth is the word. That's why Jesus says the beginning was the word. The word was with God. He is the truth. He is in the word. So if the truth is, resides in the word, they have to be together. They cannot be separate from another. It's not one and. And I know, um, I've heard actually, a lot of prophetic, luckily again, Lane, awesome, but I've heard a lot of people talk about, well, I'm prophetic, so I hear God's voice, so I don't read the scripture very often. That's like the worst thing that you could possibly do as a prophetic person or spiritual person, because it has to be supported by scripture. The scripture is our foundation for understanding as we build towards anything. So... Tell Lane I love him. We love you, Lane. I haven't said it enough. I'll say it again. I love you. But worship, again, is a foundational part of our faith. Worship comes from the abundance of our heart. Like it says in Luke 6, that we speak by the abundance of our heart. By abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's who we are inside of us. So what's inside of here comes out. It's a reflection. It is what comes out. It's like the analogy of the tree. You look at a tree and you see, oh, that's an orange tree. 
You don't have to cut into the tree to see what's inside of it to know that it's an orange tree. You know by the fruit that it produces. So when you look at it and you see it, that's how you know what type of tree that it is. Same thing with us. If we're worshipers, if we worship God, it's part of who we are. It's in us. It's not something, okay, I'm here at church. I'm just going to raise my hands for the slow songs, and that's worship. Mm. For those of you who don't know, the fast songs are praise, slow songs are worship. That was free, off topic, but you can take it with you. <laughs> but it's a, again, it's a connection with our heart and his heart. It's literally the heartbeat. It's what gives us what we have, who we are. That worship, it begins in the heart. So we kind of already talked about what worship is, but I'm just going to go a little bit deeper on, into this now. My first point is worship is not an act. It's a position. And in the, it's from that position that is what is reflected in our actions. And I think that sometimes, we, when God said that to me, I was like, oh, whoa. <laughs> but I think that sometimes we can get those confused Sometimes that we reverse it. And I think that we think when we put our hands up that God sees that we put our hands up and all of a sudden that means that we're going to feel more of the Spirit. You could stand completely still. You don't have to say a single word. That's soaking, usually, um, for those of you who aren't familiar. But I'm going to read that one more time. Worship is not an act. It is a position. And it's from that position that's reflected in our actions. So everything like singing, dancing, flagging, painting, and oh my gosh, a million other activities that you could do to worship the Lord, those are all outward expressions, but those themselves are not worship. What about, you know, people who don't know the Lord? They paint, like they sing secular music on the radio, oh my goodness. But what, what differentiates that? It's the positioning of our hearts. And here's the beautiful thing. I'm getting excited. If worship is a position, it means it's not limited to an appropriate time or place. That's right. I felt that. Thanks, God. (laughs) Um, But what that means is actions are limited to places, to time. Well, this is not the time for that. Okay, well, this action, oh, well, you know what? You know, actions can be moved around or not right now. Actions are limited, but God knows that we are not limited, right? So because of that, because it's a positioning, it's not limited to an appropriate place or time. In other words, it's not circumstantial at all. Let me add something here. So something that Mike Martinez told me, and just a little bit into my life, so you know what's going on up here. Um... He told me, like, once, he, once we got engaged, he came to me and he said, I'm going to give you some advice. But he kind of, Mike, if you don't know Mike Martinez, he kind of talks different than everybody else. Like, <laughs> I love him. I love him to death, but it's like, it's almost like he sees directly through you. It's like, yeah. what the heck is this guy seeing on me right now? But he was like, yeah. I'm going to give you some advice. He said, in those times where you have your hands raised and you're worshiping God or you're flat on your face and you're worshiping God or in your car driving and you're worshiping God, he said, those times are good. But he said, you have to understand how to worship when you're serving your wife, when you have children, when you're doing those things. So when she's saying like actions 
are not, uh, they're, cir- they're circumstantial, but if it's in our heart, if we have a heart of worship, even doing things like being with my family or serving my son or even serving at work, yeah. if I have a heart of worship in those moments, I'm worshiping as I'm, as I'm moving. Absolutely. So because it's not circumstantial, if it's not circumstantial, what does that mean, right? A lot of everything almost in our life is circumstantial, you know, cause and effect for nearly everything. But if it's not circumstantial, it means that it's a constant choice void of those, those circumstances. So I want to bring up another verse, Habakkuk. Habakkuk? Habakkuk. Habakkuk. <laughs> I was always like, what am I going to say when I get up there? <laughs> um, but Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18. It says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, although the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will be joyful in God my Savior. And I just am putting that in, like, in scripture. Everything that we're saying is rooted in scripture. So I just, that's one of many in the Bible that talk about, regardless of circumstances, what we're to proclaim, that we praise and we rejoice in our Savior. Now, the whole point that I bring about um, worship being a position and not an action, the reason I bring this up is because this is really key. I think that a lot of us can have preconceived ideas or a preconceived understanding of what worship is. So sometimes I think some of us think that worship is something to be obtained or it's something to be worked for, something to be achieved. Like a lot of things in this life, it's something to mark off our to-do list. And like for example, and not just in church, but in our own personal lives, I think that sometimes we say, okay, well, I did my daily devotional today. Check off the list. Okay, awesome. I did listen to worship for 30 minutes today and on the car way to the store. So, like, I really got in my worship today. Which, first of all, don't hear what I'm not saying. Those are all really good things and don't stop doing them. But sometimes, even for myself, I'm guilty of leaving it there. Right? So... If that is the foundation of what we believe worship is, it's something to be worked for, achieved, obtained. If that's the foundation that we believe worship is, we can accidentally become legalistic in our worship. I'm going to say legalistic in our worship, and that is not what we want. And because worship is a position rather than just an act, worship starts with us. And I'll tell you why that's so cool. So we already talked about why, how um, the positioning of worship means it's void of circumstances. So there's complete freedom in that worship, right? But now, when I say this, I said that it starts with us. It's because God is not going to position our heart for us. He's not going to say, worship me, worship me. Because then he's not the God that we know. And he's not the God that we love. He believes in a complete Um, respect of our choices and free will. It's the greatest gift. He trusted us with ourselves and is here to help along the way, right? It's the beautiful part. That's who he is, is he's not a dictator. He's a father, and fathers let their kids make choices. And so because of that, 
He's not going to position our heart for us. It's a positioning, but it starts with us. It's a choice. And that is the most beautiful thing. Everything that we've said so far is that worship, the positioning of worship is completely free of anything that could ever want to limit it, ever. Nothing can limit um, the positioning of worship. And it's a complete choice. It's never forced. Complete freedom in worship. And if you're over here praying and you're like, I want complete freedom in my worship. He's like, you have it, right? It's already ours. So, um, because it starts with us, and when we begin to view worship that way, everything we do becomes worship, like Dom said, because we're doing it unto the Lord and because it's our heart. And no one is more well acquainted with your heart than its creator. That's why it's worship. That's why it's worship. Just like Psalm 139, when he talks about how well acquainted he is with us because he's our creator. That's where that heart comes from. That's where worship comes from. So to expand on that again, talking about um, creator, and one of the, like, the most awesome things I ever heard a minister say was, who understands purpose more than a creator? Yeah. Like who? Nobody. The creator understands the purpose of the creation. And I used this, used this analogy before. Taylor's probably going to roll her eyes. But about a robot. So this <laughs> robot, you create a robot. Like, so let's say Caitlin creates a robot. And the purpose of that robot is to go to the refrigerator and get her a glass of milk. So she's like, man, I really want a glass of milk. Purpose, getting a glass of milk. She says, okay, beep, boop, beep, boop, boom, makes a robot. <laughs> robot goes to the refrigerator, pops it open, pulls out the milk, gets a glass, pours it in there, brings it to her, bada bing, bada boom, she's got milk. So I come home one day and I was like, there's that robot she made. Robot looks pretty sweet. But I don't think it's doing what it could potentially do. So I'm going to mess with this robot and I'm going to teach it to bring me my Xbox controller and turn on the TV and clean my shoes. So for those of you guys who know me, I love shoes. So if I had a robot that would take care of my shoes, that'd be heaven. Anyways, so with that robot, I mess with it, then I send it off to do all those tasks, and it ends up not cleaning my shoes right, ruins my Timberland boots. Anyways, it ruins the boots, and then it doesn't actually get the Xbox controller for me. So I get frustrated and say, dang, this dang robot didn't do what I wanted it to do. So then Caitlin comes home and she says, oh, my robot, why is it holding Timberlands right now? Uh, let me fix it. So then she goes in, fixes it, boom, goes to the refrigerator, gets her a glass of milk, brings it back to her, and she drinks it. The reason that she's so effective with that robot and I was not is because she created the robot, and she created that robot for purpose. Same thing with us. The Lord created us for a great purpose, and that purpose, again, is worship among a lot of other things, but all, it starts with worship. The foundation of that is worship. And so going off of that, I want to pull up another scripture. Uh, Matthew seven, sixteen through 20. So this verse, it says, By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. 
Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So to give a little bit of context of what this is specifically talking about, um, I mean, obviously, God is so good about giving us parables, giving us images, analogies, and ways for us to understand huge principles. And usually, it doesn't stop just there with that one story. It usually, you know, you can use it in other areas in your life as well. But what this right here is depicting is he talks about good and bad prophets. And he's saying, you know, how do you judge what a good prophet or a bad, like a false prophet, I say bad prophet, a false prophet you know, how would you recognize them? But it's by their fruit. And so that is the context of what this verse is. However, what I really took from this and what God said, you can't produce something if it's not inside of you. And so, what area in your life, and I'm talking specifically in worship, but really any area of your life, if there's an area where you're like, I'm not seeing the fruit that I want to see. You know, some people in this room, and it could be, like I said, in any area of your life, first of all, I'm not going to limit it to just worship for this part, any area of your life where you feel like you're, it's not being very fruitful, and if anything, it could be producing bad fruit. The results could be negative in your life and affecting you negatively. But just for, like, I guess the example, in the area of worship, I know in my own life there's been times where it's like I feel like um, I get wrapped up in certain things and worship becomes about singing. Or worship becomes, again, more of an activity. It becomes something that I do for the church. And it, it can become so many different things. And then I wasn't seeing the fruit that I wanted to see. And I said, God, you know, well, what, now what can I do? God, I want to see glory clouds. And I want to see this. And I want to see that. I want just all of your glory. Like, show me your glory. Like the song today. But then all of a sudden, it's like I'm not seeing it. And that's okay, we don't always have to feel exactly what God is doing, but I just want to let you know that there is an area, and if worship is an area where you feel like you're really struggling, and it's an area where you feel like you're not seeing a lot of fruit, I want to go back to verse 19 really fast, and I want to read that over. Let's see, verse 19, it says, Every tree that bears or does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So trees being thrown into the fire, if, if we're the tree and we're being thrown in the fire or that area of our life, that sounds kind of scary. I don't want to be thrown in the fire, right? You're like, God, I'm so sorry. Um, but trees being thrown into the fire may seem like a harsh reality, but if you think about who God is, his nature is to redeem. He's our redeemer. And he can redeem all things. He can heal our hearts. And sometimes what we need is, if there's an unfruitful part of our life, and in this case, my example is worship, sometimes we need to be uprooted, um, sometimes it needs to be uprooted and burned so there, there can be new growth, okay? I want to go back to what I was saying about if we have an, um, a preconceived idea or understanding of what worship is, an old mindset, whether, I don't know how long you've been saved, what church you've grown up in, 
Maybe church was just like reading hymns and like no one raises their hands or I don't know where you guys come from or what that is. But if there is an old mindset, if there's a feeling of unworthiness, anything that's getting in the way of any area of your life, but especially right now in worship, if there's anything, any of those weeds that wants to sprout up and grow and wants to take away from your fruitfulness, I say, I declare in Jesus name that they be gone right now in Jesus name. But they can be burned up and there can be new growth. And I pray right now, even to whoever is watching online, whoever is in this room, if that is you, I pray in Jesus' name for a complete renewing of your mind. I pray that any lies that are affecting people in any negative way in worship and in any other area of their life, that it be burned up in Jesus' name. And instead, God, I pray that you would just begin to plant those seeds of truth in their mind and in their heart. And that the, all those areas in their life, especially worship, would be fruitful and give you glory in Jesus' name. So, that's my whole fruitful portion. But kind of moving on from that... Um, I want to talk about the fact, we talked about choice and freedom, but we are all worship leaders. Every single person in this room, I want to give an, I'm going to call myself out. Um, this was maybe a couple months ago. And I was talking to Steve, and I think I said something like, I'm not a worship leader. Like, Taylor's the worship leader, obviously. I was like, and he's like, well, why aren't you a worship leader? I'm like, well, Taylor's like on the payroll. Like, she's like the title, the role is she's the worship leader. Like, I'm not the worship leader. Taylor's the worship leader. And he was like, uh, <laughs> he called me out. And it actually really changed everything, the way I thought about everything. And he was like, I don't know how many years, but he's like, like, I've been a pastor and I worked like full time. He was like, I wasn't paid for being a pastor for how many years? 12 years. He was like, I wasn't on the payroll. Was I not a pastor those 12 years? He's like, I was a pastor for 12 years and I wasn't on the payroll. I wasn't getting paid. And it totally shifted my heart. Like, oh my gosh, you mean the worship leader isn't just the one who, like on their tax form, you know, works for the church and they're a worship leader, that we are all worship leaders. Stop laughing at me. <laughs> but yeah, that, that really affected me is we are all worship leaders. And in fact, you're the leader of your own worship, going back to that choice. We can't leave it up to the people who are on stage because then you are not truly an active participant in what's happening. Because then, all of a sudden, you're letting it become an action. Right? Then all of a sudden, you may not like the song. Like, again, I've heard this a million times, or, oh, I've never heard this song. Maybe I should sit back and, like, just look at the words, and, like, I don't know if I really like this, or, oh, she's singing again? Oh, she's a little off-key. Oh, yikes. Like, you know, then you can really allow, you can really allow all those physical things to be like, oh, well, I don't like this song. And you kind of sit back, but then, oh, this is my song. And then you get up and you really raise your hands on that one. And then all of a sudden you're letting someone else dictate your worship. And that's not it. That's not the point. There's the freedom. There's the choice. It's void of circumstances. You have complete choice and freedom in your worship because you are the leader of it. Okay? We are all worship leaders. I don't care if Taylor is singing, if... If I'm singing, if Lauren's singing, Erica's singing, so much talent. 
But I don't care if someone, if Uriah came up, he could lead worship. Okay? It doesn't matter. Yeah, that's what it is. And so because of that, um, just kind of going off of that a little bit. So if we are the leaders of our own worship, what does that really mean? So obviously we have to make the conscious choice and we position our hearts to, you know, cast our affections on him, right? There's that positioning and that choice. But that means that worship requires focus and intentionality. And that's not, you know, like that doesn't mean like that's, it's a matter of being difficult or easy. Like some people think focus and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm worshiping right now. Like you're focusing really hard. (laughs) It's not whether it's difficult or easy. That's not the point, but it does require something on your end. It's a sacrifice. A sacrifice of praise. Have you guys heard that before? We have to consciously position ourselves and position our hearts to worship. But consciously means focus and that level of intentionality. (laughs) It's like you zoning out? (laughs) No, just there's there's a lot going on up here all the time. But um, yeah, I mean, yes. So um, I love her. She's so awesome. Yeah. So... This, uh, this morning, I want to propose something to you this morning. And what I'm proposing to you is that faith is dependent on relationship, or that faith is relationship, that they go hand in hand. And the reason I say that is, again, I know it says in Romans that everyone is given a measure of faith that we have. I think it's Romans. If I'm wrong, I'll get corrected, but that's okay. I'll take my lashes. Anyways, but um, it says that we're all, we're all given a measure of faith from the time that we were created. So we all have that in us. But our faith increases dependent upon the relationship that we have. So for instance, Uriah is my son. And he doesn't get in the car and start screaming the second I start driving. He's like, I don't trust this guy driving. Because he does trust me because I'm his father. And in the same sense, the better relationship we have with our heavenly father, the better we understand that it increases our faith. Or in any relationship, I'm not just saying with the Lord, but every connection that we have is dependent on three things. Belief, which is recognition, relationship and faith, like I just said, and obedience and sacrifice. And each of those steps builds for the next step. But the foundation has to be the, uh, the recognition and the belief. And it starts there because how could I ever believe that this woman is my wife? Like, oh, she's my wife. Okay, cool. I didn't even know she existed, but she's my wife. No, it has to start from some place. Hi, I'm Dom. She's Caitlin. Awesome. Then you start to build relationship together. And after you build relationship together, you sacrifice together. And that's the obedience portion of that. Because any person, like Thomas, Thomas and I are really good friends. I'd venture to say Thomas is one of my best friends. But I love Thomas very dearly. And when you get to that place of relationship with a person, if Thomas called me at two in the morning and said, I need your help, I'm there. I'm just that kind of person. I will be there for that person. And I I share a story about Bruno all the time, and I won't share it, but I was there for him when he needed me because that's the kind of person that I am. But for some person I don't know, I can't be there for that person because I don't even know who they are. If somebody was like, hey, I need a million dollars. First of all, I don't have a million dollars. 
If I did have a million dollars, I probably wouldn't give it to you because I don't know who you are unless he told me that. But if I did, you would not be the first person I think of person I've never met in my life. So scripture for me, Romans 12 verse 1. Burton, are we doing good or are we going too fast? Awesome. So Romans 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. So again, they have to go hand in hand. So with worship in spirit and in truth, they have to be combined. They have to be one thing. It's not one or the other. It's, they go together. But when we're worshiping in spirit and in truth, and again, I don't know why this keeps coming to me, but as we're worshiping in spirit and in truth, we know. It's like, it's like a check. So in your car, you have little gauges in your car that tell you everything's running smoothly right now. So you trust the car's running good. You don't have to say, man, I hope there's approximately seven quarts of oil on the engine. No, you, the gauge will tell you that, or the, uh, what is it called? The dipstick will tell you as well. But you trust as you're operating that everything is going smoothly. But whenever something happens, the gauge pops up and tells you, hey, check this thing out. I mean, it's kind of uh, pros and cons to it, but newer cars have the computers on it that tell you exactly where it's at and how to fix it. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, it's like behind everything in the car and like my arms and hands are so big I can't touch it anyway so it's just tough but at least you know what to do and it's the same thing with spirit and in truth if we're worshiping God if we're hearing God saying things to us the scripture always supports it if it's the Lord if it's not the Lord then we shouldn't be worried about it we should be focused again on what he's doing but that comes with that relationship with him how do we know our father's voice how does Uriah know my voice how does he know my presence it's with the relationship that I've built with him and the key is built. Yes, built. Relationship is built. I yes. want to say something just really quick. So as we're talking about worship, something that's even new to me, and I can admit this, is soaking. And I've heard so many people say, oh, I just was soaking, and I was drunk in the spirit. And I was like, I don't even, I don't know if I've ever really experienced that. Like, I love to worship. I worship all the time. But, like, have I ever, like, soaked? And I talked to Christy about that, and I was like, you know, I want to soak. Like, I want to soak. I want to try it. I want to do it. And she's like, you have to kind of build your worship muscles. You kind of have to, you know, try a little bit. And it's going to grow and grow and grow. But your relationship with the Lord, that faith is built over time. It's not just coming on Sundays, but having that relationship, you know. Again, from where we were two, year, two years ago, almost, well, we got married two years ago, but where we were when we first got married to now, oh my gosh, the relationship has been built. And it's just like that in your area of worship. It's just like that with your relationship with the Lord. Don't be discouraged if, you know, it's like the third day and you're like, okay, I'm really trying to like worship now. I'm really trying to position myself. And it's like, doesn't feel natural to you. That's okay. Whenever I first met Dom, it didn't feel natural for me to give him a hug. It didn't feel natural. It was like, oh my gosh. Again, nice to meet you, handshake. There's that formality that kind of goes away through relationship and as it's built. So don't be discouraged if it doesn't always feel so natural in the beginning. So, oh my gosh, I feel like we're telling you secrets. <laughs> it's like, you guys can't know what we're talking about. Just kidding. <laughs> um, 
So the next part that I want to talk about is just kind of pose a question to you of what are you really hungry for? And that can be in your worship, you know, what, do, what are you looking for? What are you hungry for? A couple months ago, a, and I mean a serious hunger within me, began to like rise up for, I was praying so deeply for like deeper levels of worship for our church. My heart grew for our church. And I was asking God for like, again, glory clouds, manifestations of his glory. Like I wanted to see angels. I wanted people to be slain in the spirit. I was like, we want more. We want revival. Oh my gosh. And it rose up in my heart. And I began to like really hunger for that, for our church, for our region. I got this really big hunger. And I was like praying for all these things. God, I want this. And God, I declare this. And I want this in Jesus' name. And God interrupted me and said, if you don't see those things in your personal worship with me, how can you expect to lead my people there? Hit me in the face. (laughs) I was like, oh God. But I was reminded of David conquering the lion and the bear in private before he could conquer Goliath in public which is 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 36. For you note takers, 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 36. So how can we expect, if we have a vision of worship of what we want to see, like what are you hungry for? What do you want to see in your own personal life or for the church? Sometimes we can be critical of our own, like, you know, church body. We can be critical of the worship. Why is she singing that song again? Or oh man, like we sing the same songs all the time and I'm just tired of it. You know, we can like really get um, critical. But how can we expect to see our own specific version of our vision of worship if that's not what we're actively pursuing in our personal worship time with God? Right? And then, you thought that other one caught me off guard. He He said to me, Caitlin, you don't truly know how to worship yet. I was like, oh, here I was thinking I was a worship leader for the first time, and I don't know how to worship. (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, And it's not that I don't have a heart of worship, but God will often say something like that to me to get my attention. So here I am, and I'm like, I want glory clouds, and I want this. And I'm like, getting, I'm like, yes, God, give me, give me, give me, woo. And he's like, yeah, you don't even really know. Like, if I give that to you, you don't really know how to worship, so like, wait a little. He really got my attention. He'll, he'll be really stern with me. That's how he talks to me, by the way. He doesn't talk to all of you the same way. That may seem really harsh to some of you. Um, but he, he tells me that to stop my train of thought dead in my tracks and humbled me in that moment, inviting me into deeper levels of worship personally. Right? So what are you hungry for? And what are you, are you actually pursuing that in your own personal time. Because if you're not, how are we expected to have revival if we're not seeking revival in our personal lives? How are we going to see it here? And we want, we're like, save Boulder. But like, no, save me in this area of my life. Like, you need, it starts with us, right? It's that positioning. Go ahead. Awesome. So I'm actually going to quote something from Brian Johnson from Bethel Church. He said, there's no such thing as half worship. It is or it isn't. Say it again. So there's no such thing as half worship. It is or it isn't. The statement is bold but important. 
it leaves us no room for excuses. We can't fool God because he already knows our heart. And we can't dress anything up as worship and hope he doesn't notice. It's like putting lipstick on a pig. Worship is either all the way or nothing, similar to marriage. You give all of yourself to your spouse and nobody gets, because nobody wants a half portion. So Caitlin and I are married, obviously. She's great. I love my wife. But um, if I came to her and said, all right, Caitlin, I love you. Will you marry me? And then she said to me, yes, I will marry you. But there's these four guys that I really like, and I still want to give them attention and affection. I would say, no dice. Not happening. <laughs> so then she countered and said, all right, all right, I'll counter that offer, and I'll cut it down to just one guy, but I'll only see him once every 10 years. What would you think I would say to that? No thanks. No, no dice. The answer's no. No dice. <laughs> no dice. Anyways, but within that, like, I want all of her, and she wants all of me. In the same token, God wants all of us. That's right. If Jesus is the groom and we are, he's the groom and we're the bride, so to speak, in that he wants all of us in the same token. So everything that we do in life is a reflection of who God is, whether it's our relationship with our parents, relationship with our spouse, relationship with our children. It's all a reflection of the Lord. It helps us to understand him better as we lead into worship. Go ahead, babe. So everything that we talked so far is a lot. This is what God's been teaching me a lot the past couple months. But we're going to conclude here pretty soon. But before I do, I want to talk about putting everything we said into action. Because it's one thing for us to say, you know, what worship is, how it should go, and, you know, all these other things, right? Everything that we just said, the whole entire message. Well, what's the point if you guys don't know how to put that into action? You're like, oh my gosh, I agree with everything you're saying right now. I really want that in my life, but like, what do I do? You said something about soaking, like I'm not sure like what that even is. So I'm gonna kind of have this little small portion before we conclude about putting it into action. So one thing I'll say, if you ever notice yourself drifting from that position of worship that we talked about, um, something that I personally do is I start thanking God for things. And it can start off simple. It can say, you know, thank you, God, for my family. Thank you, God, for my husband. Thank you for my son. And then it can kind of grow and get deeper because then you kind of run out of like those things, you know, that are kind of general and you're like, thank you for saving me out of a, like alcohol and drugs. He did save me out of that for those of you who don't know my testimony. Thank you for saving me out of this. And then, wow, it can like really grow and grow. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Wow. Thank you, thank you for Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gift of Holy Spirit. Thank you. And all of a sudden, you just begin to roll and roll and roll with all the thank yous, and it'll get deeper and deeper. And what starts off as gratitude will soon turn into adoration. I felt that. That's beautiful. Because sometimes, even myself as a worship leader, worship leader, as a worship leader, I can get really wrapped up in other things. And it can actually be even more difficult for me to enter in. Truly. I'm being completely transparent with you guys. It can be really hard whenever Ingrid was like, if you feel nothing, and I'm like, 
oh my gosh, that's me all the time sometimes. And I'm worshiping and I'm singing and I mean everything that I'm saying, but I don't always feel something. And if I'm really trying to like position my heart, even if I'm having a bad day or Dom and I had an argument and I'm having a really hard time and I'm distracted, if I'm having a hard time positioning myself, that's something that I can do. Because what is worship besides adoring our Father? That is like a key piece you can take from this. If you're having a hard time with that positioning, begin thanking God. Because one thing that also does is it takes your gaze and it shifts it towards him. And rather than looking at my problems and rather than looking at our you know, finances and debt and all these other things that we have to work on and everything, everything else, all of a sudden you take your eyes and your focus away from everything else, that focus and intentionality, and you all of a sudden put it to him because you're thanking him for everything that he's done and all of a sudden you're not so concerned about everything else in your life anymore and that positioning is truly on him and it's that adoration and you'll begin to feel your heart shift I promise you and that is a good place to be gratitude shifts our spiritual eyes and our hearts from us which are our circumstances and puts it on God and his nature and the last thing that I want to say um, before we're like out of time the last thing I want to say is there are always new levels. Always. I think every single one of us in the room are guilty of putting God in a box. And as soon as you kind of start to be like, I'm starting to get the hang of this. I think I kind of understand who you are. I think I kind of understand your nature. Then boom, he pops out of that box. And then like the box is like a hundred times bigger than the other box. And then you grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And then you don't, he doesn't fit in that box anymore and pops that next one off, right? I personally sometimes put him in a box and I'm like, I think I kind of understand how to worship. And God's like, you actually don't know how to worship. So, right? He calls me out. That's what he says. But that's him saying, you're putting me in a box. And I'm ready to be out of that. And let's go to deeper levels. Let's go further. Let's go deeper. So there are always new levels. And I want to really urge you as, you know, as a church body, but in your personal lives, to not be content or complacent in your worship. And again, if there's an area, if that worship isn't fruitful, if you're not seeing the vision that you're, you're so hungry for, really chasing after that in your personal time is what I want to urge you to do. Because sometimes, like I said, oh, we put him in a box. <laughs> but there's always more is what I have. So, do you want to say something? Yeah, so for the record, I'd like to point out, God has never told me that I don't know how to worship. That's only her. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> So, wow. I know you guys are looking at your watches, but uh, Steve asked us to teach until halftime, so that's probably right around, <laughs> got about six or seven more hours until then, so kick your shoes off. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, just, we'll, we'll kick the basket around one more time. Huh? No, we're, you guys are going to learn how to listen to me talk gibberish for seven hours. Just kidding. So, before we hand back over to Vernon... I want to do something that I hate doing, but I'm supposed to do it. Sam, can I pray for you? Come on up here, man. Uh, Justin and Manuel as well. Do you mind coming up here? So I'm not even going to talk about anything that's going on. I just, uh, I want you to know, actually, let's move this guy out of here. If you could look at me, that'd be awesome. It's good to see you again, man. So, um... When I heard you were coming, immediately I said, 
All right, God, what do you want to do? Do you want to do anything? Am I supposed to say anything? Am I supposed to do anything? And he said, just honor him. So I said, okay, here's, we'll do that. That's good to, good to go. So um, something that you don't know, I think these two both know this actually, but something that you don't know is you invested in my life like 12 and a half years ago by just letting me control your booth at Heaven Fest while you and your wife took care of your guys' business and what you guys were going through. But that really ministered to my heart. So every time since that moment I've ever listened to your music or anything like that, God reminded me like that you are a man of war, not by title, but because that's what's inside of your heart. And he said, because you have accepted that position of warring for the Lord, the enemy's been trying to attack you more and more lately. So I want to pray. Actually, can you stand like right there? Okay. You can look at me. Yeah. So there's like a funnel in the Holy Spirit. I'm not even kidding. Dead serious. But so Sam, um, what I feel like I'm supposed to say to you this morning is that in times the Lord wants you to know when to retract and never retreat. He wants you to know when to put up the shield and protect yourself in the times when you're supposed to advance. Just, just again, just because you are a man of war. But I also see inside of your heart the brokenness. And I sense that God wants to start to put the pieces back together inside of your heart to begin to just rebuild you back into the man that you are and the man that he created you to be. Like my wife talked about being in the fullness of the Lord. It's actually one of the things that we speak about a lot in our church here. But being in that fullness is important because God created you for purpose and the fullness of that purpose is everything. So as we stand here before you today, as I get ready to pray for you, I just want to thank you for who you are and I just want to thank you for the sacrifices that you've made. First of all, I know it cannot be easy going from California to Nebraska. At first, cannot be easy at all. But I know that he has great purpose on your life. Amen? All right, you want to share anything or are you good? Okay. Good. Okay. You know, for me, from the beginning, when you were with Syntax, you know, it was amazing for me because you were one of the few Christian artists that I really got into, you know. And then we were able to work together when I was promoting concerts, you know. And there was moments where you have fed my life. So we just, again, we just want to thank you for your sacrifice. We just honor you for who you are and what you're doing and what you said yes to. Amen. I'm going to touch you. Is that okay? Okay. So, Father, we just thank you for this man. Lord, and every, you guys just want to stretch your arms forward. But we just want to thank you for this man, Lord, for everything that he said yes to, Lord, and everything in his life, Lord. And we just pray that even though the circumstances are getting heavy and the circumstances are getting crazy, God, we just pray you would just bless him and lead him through, Father. Give him the understanding of that small light and that small glimmer of hope, Lord, that you would just lead him through those areas, God. For, Lord, we trust you, Lord, and he trusts you, God. But we just pray in Jesus' name for just a refreshing inside of him, Lord, as he pursues and he seeks after you. So, Lord, bless his mind, Lord. Give him peace inside of his mind as he just chases after you, Lord, and everything that you are and everything that you do, Father. We just praise you and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. So as I'm praying for you, I just hear the Lord say kingship over you. And that's what I hear. I'll talk to you about that after. Vernon, we'll hand it back over to you, sir. 
Thank you, everybody. God bless you guys.